Welcome to Breakthrough Brands and you're listening to the Conscious Business Radio Show, bringing you purpose, profit and prosperity into your life and business. David McKeown, welcome to the Conscious Business Show. Tell me, Dave, you're, you're, the reason why I brought you on, you're, you know, you're a leadership coach, you're an you're a inspirational and motivational speaker, um, you're bringing out a new book uh, coming out on the 28th of February 2020. Wh- why? How did it all happen? Was it, was it, did it all happen in, 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 in Belfast and then, or was you, did you reinvent yourself when you went to America? <laughs> what is the purpose or the reason behind it all? I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. Great, great, great question. So I, I um, grew up in Northern Ireland and went to college in Scotland and started my career many moons ago working for Accenture in the UK, um, which I'm sure you're aware of, big, massive, you know, global technology consulting company. And to be honest, during that time, um, I, I, I learned pretty quickly that it was not those leaders who were necessarily good at their job functionally that were the most successful, although some of them were. It was really those leaders who were able to um, create a, a compelling vision for where we were going as a team and really help their their team kind of achieve that vision that were the most successful. And, and it just piqued an interest in me in, in this whole notion of leadership and what it meant to be a good leader. And so it, it started a, a journey, I guess, my, my own personal lifelong journey of of trying to uncover what that meant what did it really mean to be a good leader and and then how do we um, basically implement that in our organizations so after a couple of years working for Accenture I moved over to the States um, in the early 2010s and joined a um, consulting company um, called Predictable Success that was focused on helping senior executive teams um, essentially balance the creativity and innovation that you need to grow a company with the systems and processes that you need to scale it and it was during that time that I really did um, just fall in love with the whole concept and notion of helping not just individual leaders become the best version of them, of themselves, but also helping leadership teams just work more effectively together. So I worked for that company for a number of years and then about three years ago stepped outside from that and started my own uh, outfit called Outfield Leadership and now I get the joy and the privilege of working with leaders at every level of of an organization to help them um, elevate their focus and develop their people. We we know when we look at companies and organizations, the ones that are successful are the ones that have two two elements. One is it's the, the leadership of the guys who care about the business. The other part of it is having the right systems in in place as well mm. but in the background of it all they have to have that want mm-hmm. and we could talk systems all day and we could talk leadership all day but it's it it goes deeper than that and it, for me i believe it's the want it's the drive that person wants to be to successfully be better than what they are is that what you're trying to get them to be um, definitely a huge part of it and the, the reason why I called it the self-evolved leader is <clears throat> pardon me you look at just the billions of um, euro, I guess, um, that we spend every year on developing our leaders or trying to through webinars or seminars or training sessions or keynotes or books or whatever it is. You know, there's sort of this belief or understanding that the organization will develop you if you stick around long enough. But the reality is that that for those leaders, like you said, who are at the kind of pinnacle of their own career, there's there's an element of of 
um, their own personal desire to grow. And and so my challenge in the book is um, to leaders at any level, you're the one that's ultimately responsible for your own growth. You can't just let that happen to you by osmosis um, through uh, the day-to-day work that you do for your organization. So take a hold of that and push for better for you and for your team and then for ultimately your organization. Is it box ticking? Um, leadership you know the whole process you know because we hear you know seven steps to happier life and you know if I you know a book that would say you know come a millionaire and follow these 22 steps and I read it and one of them says get up at 5am I go no yeah. No, I, I, no, I never trust anything that has a specific number of steps to anything. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, roadmaps to, to achieve anything, whether it's, uh, you know, better health or better fitness or to stop smoking or to stop drinking or to be a better leader or to be more productive. At the end of the day, they're just one person's version of a journey that they went through. And um, I said, right, actually, funny enough, in the book that take what's useful from this and, and leave the rest there's no there's no prescribed way to get to the end point that you need to go to um now there are some things that exercises and activities that you can walk through to help that but everybody's journey is individual yeah it's it i would agree it's you know and what i've learned over the years one process that someone has tried that has made them successful that is a process that they understand themselves that same process mightn't work for someone else because we all think differently. 100% and also just the context and the environment that around that person at that point, you know, you look at any number of factors that were outside of their control, whether it's the economy or geopolitical issues or the family they were brought up into or the, you know, the... Um, uh, town that they lived in, you, you know, you to then take their journey, which is very much specifically based on their journey, and then apply it to somebody else. I think can be problematic. Uh, I think where you start to 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 see um, things like this be more helpful is when somebody has not just walked through the journey themselves, but they've helped other people through a ver- version of that journey over numbers of years and yeah, and, and countless different contexts. Yeah, it's you, you learn by wisdom. You know, I'm I'm right. coaching consulting and I'm in business 28 odd years and everything that I share myself is, is wisdom um, mm. it's funny it's like if someone said to me oh if you you know to be successful you get up at 4am in the morning I said I'll, I'll try it and after a year I only realise I'm tired all the time you know <laughs> you're, just, you're just knackered I'm knackered so. I'm knackered because I stay up till 2 in the morning every night as well you know um, um, I think there's also a thing though particularly um just to, in today's day and age of people putting forward this external message that says, look, I'm successful because I get up at 4 a.m. Yeah, or, or whatever well. it is. And, you know, you can never compare your own internal success with somebody else's ex- external metric of it. So if somebody's saying that that's what they're doing and they're putting that out on social media or in their blog or in their newsletter or whatever, you know, it, you've it, got your own stuff going on. So compare it with your own level of success. It's quite funny, actually, because I remember there was a post on LinkedIn and they had you know how one should end an email or a text with thank you or regards or you know and someone put i won't engage with anyone who 
put chairs at the bottom of their posts. I put chairs at the bottom of all my posts or all my emails. <laughs> and I kind of looked at it and went, how small-minded is someone <laughs> that actually they make a decision not to deal with someone by what they say at the end of their email? And I kind of went, what sort of, what, who, who, who makes that decision? Like it's and also, like, what an inoffensive word to get kind of up in arms. Yeah, cheers. It's just, it would be different if they said, f*** off. <laughs> right, you're an idiot, thanks a lot. You know? my, my engineer has just died and she's m- marked that, that word there that, I, that I've after putting in. We'll have to, we'll have to put a, bleep, yeah, a bleep in there. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you buy for me a sod or something, you know? Uh, yes. yeah, this, is, this email has been a complete waste of time. Yeah. I have wrote this email and because I've put cheers at the end I might as well just throw it in the bin thank you <laughs> goodbye and, you know and I do think that there's there is we are moving unfortunately to an element of outrage culture out there and you know sometimes I think that people just need to take a step back be thankful and grateful for what you've got and not be so overly concerned about what somebody else is doing out there but people are frightened to offend no and mm. no and, and, and offending is the wrong because it is not nice to offend people are frightened to share their opinion if it is against someone else's. So it's all, oh, that's wonderful, that's great. Conversation and good conversation can start if someone disagrees with someone. Uh-huh. At the end of the conversation, they both might agree because their belief systems might change. But we have to kind of debate things. Yeah, and, and we're we're losing the ability to do that, and, and not just in, in culture and society in general, but I do think in our workplaces, we've got to be able to have um, objective discussions about our, the you know a particular direction that we're going to go in without fear that debate is a bad thing. And, you know, I, I feel that people have to feel um, safe to be able to share their perspective and their opinion and know that disagreement's okay and that ultimately what we're trying to do is just develop as individuals and then also hopefully make good decisions for our team and our organizations it's no longer external i believe now it's very much internal you know it's it's what a person feels inside and how being aware of the situation and being aware really aware of everything around you, I think really matters now for the leadership of the 21st century. 100%. You know, empathy is such a big thing, and and um, it's a difficult thing to balance, right? You have to be fully empathetic and understanding of of, of the other people and, and where they're coming from and their positions and their perspectives, um, and, and to ensure that people feel included and heard and that they're part of, um, you know, part of that decision-making process. But at the same time, you're running a business, and we've got to continue to move forward. We've got to find a way to, to balance debate and discussion with then ultimately moving to a point of decision because otherwise we just get in a room and we just talk around in circles because we want to ensure that um, everybody feels included in that part of the discussion. I have to talk because my because my opinion is needed. You know. mm. Are you teaching people to be more conscious to care or are you just giving them the skills to be more successful? Uh, for me, I hope it's the former. 
um, that's the kind of crux and the drumbeat of everything that I do is that I, I, I want to see a new generation of leaders that grow up that do have much more of a human connection with the people that they work with. However, that's, that always operates on a sliding scale, right? Some people are going to move all the way over to the right and be very caring and very open, and that's great. And some people are going to be more towards the left where they're they're almost using kind of some of those skills to, let's say, fake, you know, I don't mean fake empathy, but certainly to, to they, they have to work harder at it. Um, and so it's a little bit of both. There's a, an underlying philosophy that we've got to be more connected to those people that we're leading. Um, but also there are a set of skills that you can develop to, to, to be successful in that environment. It's interesting where you say empathy. Like, you know, I've been teaching, doing sales training, teaching people for, for many years. And in, in my 20s, there was, we were told, you know, when you're speaking with a client or you're, you're in the sales, you know, process, it's very important to have empathy, not sympathy, but empathy. Mm. And I was speaking to someone during the week and we were talking about this and we kind of says everyone is em- like do some people they don't know how to have empathy I think that and funny enough I was talking to somebody the other day and he was saying that he really struggles with that and I do think that some people just are, are naturally born and they're very naturally empathetic nature or nurture some, some people aren't is that nature or nurture? Like oh, I think, yeah. I, yeah, I think there's a little bit of both in there. I think that certainly there's a there's a degree of n- nature, and then I think that some people over time have have learned to have more empathy. They go through more. You know, one of the things that 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 um, helps you develop empathy for others is when you go through a particular hardship yourself. You know, there's a, there's a humbling that happens there, and there's a there's a resetting or of your own focus of who you are. And so the next time you come across somebody that's had uh, a hardship, at least you, it may not. Be the same type of hardship, but you know what it's like to have gone through something like that. Yeah, it's it's. The, the, I always believe, and it, it's something that I've learned over the last couple of years as well. Dave is, we only know twenty five percent of somebody, no mm-hmm. matter who, in work, in life, wherever it may be. We only know that twenty five percent. There are seventy five percent of that person that we will never know. Yes, that could be hardship. That could be fighting mental issue. That could be having a row at work. Could be stress, anxiety. Could be there's a part of that that we don't know. And when you're having a conversation with someone, employment or friend or foe, whoever, we know the twenty five percent, but understand that underlying the seventy five percent that you could say something wrong that could really upset them. But saying it it in such a way that it helps them to move forward and we all achieve the same results, but it's being aware of that, I think, is very crucial. Uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the problem where, where people kind of fail at this is in that other 75% that's that sort of like gray area or even a black hole, what they do is they put their their own lenses in that 75%, um, which are going to be a completely different set of lenses than the other person. And so they think they're being empathetic by saying, okay, here's how I would view what you're going through, but you are not them and they are not you. You know, they have their own set of lenses and their own framework and I think you're right. I think um, understanding that 25% and then not assuming to know anything within that other 75% can be a really helpful way to have those conversations. Yeah, and it's it's being in America as well, 
I feel that in America that they're more open to these sort of conversations than they are in, in the British Isles. Um, I think the British Isles are changing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Ireland is evolving. I think the UK is evolving. Um, but uh, we're, we've, we used to always say that we are 10 years behind America. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's that's caught up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, it, and it depends on on your per, your perspective as well. I, mean, you know, I think that Ireland, Ireland is is definitely leading some sort of charge in in terms of moving towards more acceptance and and more openness and um, just more of a progressive spirit. Um, certainly more so than is unfortunately happening in the in the United States at the minute, where we're really most arguments of uh, progress are now being stalled between two sides of a discussion that are not necessarily helpful, that are essentially based along broad political lines and it's making it very difficult to have those discussions on mass over here. I think it happens in individuals and groups and one-on-ones but on on mass from a from a countrywide uh, movement, it's very difficult to, to, to see progress sometimes. Yeah, it's 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 the melting pot, isn't it? Really, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. how do you take um, hundreds of millions of people from very diverse backgrounds and and essentially make it cohese into a functioning country? I mean, you just think about the sheer you know land size of the states. I mean, it's incredible how that just as a country stays just stays focused on on anything. <laughs> yeah, it's a, there's a whole debate on Middle America. You know, <laughs> right, uh, right. The, the the question I have for you as well is. This this sort of you know peeping of people evolving and this sort of renegade approach to leadership. What would you say to people? What 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 sort of leverage do people need to have to develop to be that more conscious leader? I think it all starts with any behavioral shift uh, from within. So you've got to make that choice. Um, And it starts actually way back from the perspective of saying that going down a managerial or a leadership route, you should consciously make that choice in the same way that you would make a choice about whether you're going to go into medicine or dentistry or consulting or sales or or HR. Um, I think that we we don't do a good enough job in making that distinction. Um, As you know, being a manager, or a leader is almost a completely different job description than doing the functional job itself. And so we just sort of believe that progress is progress is progress. And so if I get promoted, that's awesome. But there are some people who they were they don't want to actually do the role of being a manager or a leader. And so it starts from that point of, of reflection. You've got to say to yourself, is this something that I want to do with the rest of my life? Because you are going to spend... Um, more time with the people that you work with than many of your close friends and the impact that you can have with them over the course of their life is is profound and so to, to not take that calling lightly to, to to say this is something that I want to do I, I think that's got to be the starting point for, for, for all of this Where does ego fit into it? Uh, ego unfortunately fits into everything <laughs> It does, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think that um, although we can't ever completely silence the ego, I think that we can get to a point where we're having good discussions with it. Um, you know, there's a great book out there by Eckhart Tolle called the, called the Power of Now, which essentially yeah, brilliant book. Se- se- yeah, it separates many. out the ego from from the rest of who you are. And and to, 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 to be able to say, OK, I understand ego, Mr. or Mrs. Ego, you've got this drive for me to continue to, to succeed. Let's actually... 
let's debate that. Let's throw it around a little. Let's let's throw it against the wall and see if that's really what we want to do. Um, letting your ego take over, I think, in any any instance is essentially relinquishing control and and not a, a powerful place to operate from. I believe that if you are content in your life, it sort of softens the ego. Mm-hmm. That when you're stressed, or because the ego comes out of fight or flight, that yeah. when you're stressed or you know there's something happening, that's where that comes in. Where if you are happy and content, and content is a nice place to be in life, that sort of qualms that and keeps it down, and and you're on that even keel. That <laughs> if something happens, look at it as a learning process and go, okay, that's happened. Don't freak out about it. I'm right. learning something from it. I think someone said to me last night sorry Dave someone with the same name as yourself Dave said to me last night sometimes the pain can be a learning experience and we can learn we can we can enjoy the pain as much as we can enjoy the happiness Mm, I I think you have to um, you know contentment is a is a a great place to get to and I think we should all be striving toward it but um, when you live in permanent contentness, at some point you re- you don't you forget what contentedness means, and and the lessons that we that we learn through pain, um, I think are almost more powerful than the lessons that we learn through success, uh, and we've sort of been culturally sold this misconception that contentment is the goal. I think it's about striving for that, but accepting those tough moments with the good moments and understanding that they're going to come. And like you said, reflecting on it, take your learning moment and move past the pain and then turn it into something powerful and, and good for you. What would you then call success? Everyone has their own definition of it. What would you call success and purpose in your life? In, in my life, I, I think, funny enough, it used to be maybe five, six, seven years ago, I said it, I, I, it was contentedness. That's what I strive for. Um, I, I've since gone on my own evolution, I guess, over the last five years. And, and now for me, it's um, knowing that I am making the most of the opportunities that I have been given. Um, so just taking you know my own context, my own background, the skill set that I have, the approach to life that I have, just waking up every morning and knowing that I'm giving my best effort for that so that when I get to the end of whatever all of this is, I can look back and say, you know what, I don't have any regrets. I did give my best effort. For me, that's moved away a little bit from um, kind of specific goals of where I want to get to because I think that there's you never really once you set a goal and you achieve it for most people then they go okay that was great what's the next goal and yes. what's the next goal and what's the next Goals. goal and I don't think yeah. you can actually achieve contentment that way uh, I think there's got to be a, a sort of a melding of, of those two things I, I struggle with the word goal I'm more of it, you know setting intentions and looking mm-hmm. where you want to be and working backwards mm-hmm. you mentioned there a book uh, The Power of Now What's your belief system? <laughs> um, it depends on the day of the week and how many um, beers I've had. Probably, <laughs> um, I would say it's. I'm a I'm a relatively agnostic person from a a typical religious perspective. I don't necess- I don't ascribe to any uh, religion that's out there. Um, 
I'm not even the most spiritual person there, but I do think that we we what it all boils down to is the power within us to control what we can control and to not worry about those things that we can't control. I've a have a lot of belief in self uh, fulfillment and in helping others around you achieve their goals as well. So in whatever way you could ascribe that to a belief system, I guess that would be it. Yeah, it'd be the same as myself. I, I believe that, you know, it's it's stripping away all that dogma um, yeah. and following what's inside you and to make you a better person and, and connecting that, you know, the head or the heart. And, and like I did, I did, I did, um, a talk there a couple of a, a couple of weeks ago and I said to the people I want you to listen to me but I want you to put your hand on your heart and focus on listening to me from your heart then from your mm. head and I spoke mm. and then I asked them how did you get on with that and they said it was it, it was different they they picked up more than just listening into from their head which was really weird mm. That's great, and that's a it's a great practice, and I think we need to do more of that, more listening from the heart rather than just the head, because yeah. the head will sabotage a whole bunch of stuff, whereas the heart is more true, it's more it's more righteous, right? It's more authentically you, and whenever you're listening through that, you're probably your filter is going to be a little bit more clear, a little bit more transparent. On it, T- tell me we're coming to an end. Um, have I left anything out that you'd like me to ask you? Uh, we'll get to plug the book and everything now in a sec. But is there is there anything that I've left out? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. That was a really well-rounded discussion. I really enjoyed it. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Well, look, Dave. Where can people get the book? Um, what is the name of the book? Where can they get it? Uh, the website. Um, give us a shout out there. Sure. So the book is called The Self-Evolved Leader, and it is out January 28th. Um, you can get it. Uh, best place to find information on it is selfevolvedleader.com, and it'll be um, available on Amazon uh, come the 28th. Brilliant. And your website? Uh, selfevolvedleader.com, or you can find out more about me at outfieldleadership.com. And LinkedIn? Uh, LinkedIn, Dave McEwen on LinkedIn, and Twitter, Dave McEwen as well. Dave, you're a gentleman. Thanks for coming on to Break Two Brands, the Conscious Business Podcast. I haven't decided the name. I'm struggling (laughs) with it. The show's been going, what, three years, Alison? And and I've just decided I'm coming more consciously aware, so I'm trying to bring that into business. So that's why I think I'm calling it the Conscious Business Show. Yeah, I like that. I think it's it's, it's got something to it, definitely. It is is on it. So, uh, look, Dave, take it easy. Thanks a lot, Joe. Really appreciate it. Broadcasting from the Dundrum Town Centre, this is Dublin South FM.